We are Squawking Dead, a podcast pulverizing episodes of the Walking Dead universe. Sometimes we give you news, sometimes we make you laugh, but most times we go deep. And today we're talking about the second episode of season seven of the Fear the Walking Goddamn Dead. And I'm here with Cosmo09, Rachel Burt, and Sharon D, aka Blaze Gardner. Oh, yeah, and I'm, I'm Dave. That's it. That's all you need to know. And our host with the most, David Cameo. <laughs> in the box, in the box that he lives in. Wait. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm here in the box. This is this is what they'll see on, the, on the podcast. He's in his dungeon. What? In the box. What? Yeah. <laughs> in the prison of my own making. Okay, here's what makes me crazy about this episode. There's a couple things. One, I don't have terrible amount of insights. Two, I don't have terrible amount of notes. But... Th- my notes are bleak also. But Gamma, all I ever song lyrics because <laughs> the goddamn songs. And guess what? They are pertinent, which pisses me off even more because it's like, man, I don't want to be breaking down song lyrics all day. Nobody, ain't nobody got time for that. Me, the audience is like, okay, wrap it up, wrap it up. <laughs> so I don't know. It's a mood. It's you go through it. It basically tells you in the song what's mostly happening on screen. And I know they did this on purpose, and I don't want to sound negative about it, but the fucking baby crying through the entire episode jangled my nerves so bad. I couldn't even pay attention to what was going on half the time because I couldn't get past the the baby crying. And I understand that they were trying to put us in the same space as as Morgan and Grace. I mean, I get it. I get it. <laughs> I'm sorry, because I feel the same as you. I'm laughing. <laughs> like, I had to watch it four times to even pick up most oh of the stuff because God. I, I would skip the crying baby parts and go to other things because it was, it just, I, I couldn't, I couldn't deal with it. It was like in dreams. I couldn't deal with all the pink. And then this one, I couldn't deal with uh, all the baby crying. Oh, okay. That's, that's Morgan so and funny. Morgan and were cool. Like, I mean, I'm going to have, I have my gripes what? about, I have my gripes about them too, but. <laughs> The biggest one was was the baby crying. I just I could no, not I get deal it. with the baby crying. It was. I lot. think we could all agree that was intentional, right? The, oh yeah, that, oh yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. Rachel's a mom, so it struck her in a very maternal what crying <laughs> sense. I'm not. I'm not maternal at all. And all I wanted was for that baby to <sighs> shut up. I'm like, please. <laughs> <laughs> Showers himself with his drink. Uh, how's, my, how's my mic? Oh my God. How's my mic? <laughs> it's okay. Oh my God. It's okay. The, the baby's. Try all the wires. The baby's fine. The baby's fine. Stop crying. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> oh, my God. good. Good golly, Miss Molly. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, why did I laugh? Oh, there's a little tear going on here too. I literally not a breeder. Uh two. Oh, okay, let's back it up because you guys know I, I adore children, obviously. I I don't want them to die. There's a starter. You have to you have to say that. You have to say that ahead of every time. <laughs> every time we just to be clear, I do like children. Every time we talk about <laughs> eating babies, I have to make it clear. Yes. Yeah. I likes the children. <laughs> they are the future. They're tender. Yeah. I mean, the future. Yeah, I mean, you know, pick one future. <laughs> it's, it's, it's my belly, or you act like a, like a something good in the apocalypse. Pick one. Oh, oh my gosh. I felt that, too. I felt annoyed. And then, I love how the episode almost gets you to feel... <laughs> I don't know if it's, like, simultaneously guilty, like, by the end of it, because of the couple you end up meeting. 
Well, we see them in the beginning too, which is very interesting because like, oh, what happened? Their baby couldn't stop crying. Their baby was in pain. Let's, let's talk about that because now we're talking about annoying crying babies. And then we have to kind of then talk about the scene where, because Fred doesn't end up dying from that gunshot. Grace was saying she just wants to spend what little time she has left with her husband and child as they're leaving the the area. Curious. Okay. So you don't think Fred I thought he did. (laughs) And then I thought he did too. And then Grace said what she said. But then she's spending the rest of her time with her dead husband and child. (laughs) I mean she didn't say a live time Mm. or or time alive it was, <laughs> i thought i thought she shot him in the head like i thought that i was thought a, so too I, yeah <laughs> so you know i see this sometimes in shows and but but you do you, but you heard the two things right you heard her grace say yes and then yes. you saw the thing just before <laughs> and then you're like yes. what is happening while we were watching it i Sharon and I were rewatching it, and I'm like, and Grace said that line, and I went, she's not going to tell B he's dead? Uh, (laughs) B's just going to walk in there and be like, ah! Well, filed again by those those kids, and and that little dog, too, who happens to not be here. Yeah, yeah, that's another whole other topic. Fickle, fickle dog. (laughs) Scooby-Roo. But, okay, I I know why Grace says it. it. It's more of a... I don't know, I guess like a analogy she's kind of drawing. Like after all this time, she's saying, I get it now. Just like you, Morgan, you want to spend what little time you have left with mama and child, even though it's found mama and found child. I mean, yeah. they didn't officially get married. They're not, it's not their child. It's, right. you know, I mean, you know, quote unquote, literally biologically their child, but it is their child and technically they are together. So, and then by the end of it, she, Grace kind of just solidifies that. But moving backwards, it's her signaling to Morgan, I get it now. I know, I know what you were trying to do. I know what you were trying to do. But then the baby crying. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if they super cut this episode without the baby crying, it would be like five minutes. <laughs> it would be like a Squawking Dead episode. We'd super cut all the relevant dialogue, cut the rest of the babies crying out, because babies cry in the unedited episode records. KO-FI.com says Squawking Dead. Guaranteed a baby crying in every episode. I'm lying. I'm literally lying. <laughs> To our audience, can you imagine? Unless you're talking, unless you're referring to like our whining yeah. as babies, yeah. <laughs> we th- we're the babies sometimes. But Victor is a good guy. Morgan is an asshole. Ah, something about June, <laughs> not at all, <laughs> ever. <laughs> June's perfect. Bring back Janice. June's perfect. <laughs> of course she is. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, pretty damn close. I was thinking about that too. By the way, I was like thinking there were flaws in her persona in season four. Obviously, it's what drew drew us in. But is there anything like flawed about her at all now? I mean, is she a good guy that you can root behind officially? <laughs> Pretty much. So. Yeah, right. I think so. Isn't that strange for these kinds of shows? Like Dwight's a shitbag, and yet we're still rooting for him. But we know he's he was a shitbag. <laughs> Sherry well, kills dead now, horses, see, I, <laughs> or see, makes horses I, dead. Makes horses dead. Yeah. Yeah. Either way. Hmm. I don't like this. We gotta we gotta find something wrong with June because <laughs> they tend they tend to kill off the best characters. So well, so let we gotta find something wrong with. Well, her. I'm not saying that, but uh, yeah, I just <laughs> I was musing on this because I I think somebody brought this up in a Reddit post about what people thought of June and and how her character exists in the world. 
And obviously she earns her keep or her right to exist in this world because she goes through a transformation. She, you know, her daughter dies and she just finds a way to live with that and become this idealized self. And she's not, clearly not done evolving. On the other hand, once the season four foibles were kind of all ironed out, I mean, she's just, it's like one of, she's like Superman. There's no invulnerabilities. There's, you know, she's OP, as they say, overpowered. I mean, perfect for you, Rach. I mean, it ro- resolves this issue that you usually have with most characters. She's like, I just want my good guys to be good and my bad guys to be bad. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's why June's the goat. If you wanted to say one flaw is, um, uh. <laughs> this is painful for <laughs> she's her. Gotta muster, she's got to muster up the is, courage just to say it. It is because I'm drawing a painful <laughs> parallel. So just, just stop for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, she can give me, give be me single, She can be single-minded and and driven to the point of making bad decisions. We saw it in season five when she was moving the caravan from place to place, and then you see it again with the hospital where she's driven to the point of losing John ultimately. Mm. Mm-hmm. And the painful parallel I'm getting ready to draw is that she's a lot like Morgan. <laughs> in that I sense. was gonna say because Ooh. of the first thing, right? Ooh. Right. But you need to Which, make sure you edit that out of the actual episode. <laughs> no, no, it's not saying it. But that brings me to something else I had thought, which kind of brings me to Rachel almost, because because we say that, and Morgan is incredibly, which is why I like him, actually. He's incredibly flawed. His origin story appears in this episode again, but he gets to do it right. And it, But it's weird and twisted. You see him with the rifle, no hesitation this time, willing to kill to protect Mo, which is a repeat of the first appearance of him, you know, trying to take out Walker Jenny and couldn't, you know, and you see it, you see it. And I, I felt like I, I shook a little because I saw, and I wish they would have been able to somehow like dramatize that moment, right? Cause it was fast, so fast that you couldn't realize what was happening, but it was happening. And he says it, he says the line, he said, I am not gonna let that happen again. And yet you get to the car and the glass on baby Mo's uh, what would what would you call it? Like <laughs> dentist smock, mini hazmat suit. Yeah. Her, yeah, her capsule, <laughs> her her baby sweet pea hazmat suit. Right, is broken oh, because I... of him. And and uh, I, I don't think that was. I didn't think that was, was it broken? broken. That was the I glass don't... from the window. The yeah. Do you think I th- I thought no, it was that, the that glass. Was, from... yeah. That was window glass. Okay, yeah. but it but, had landed on her her window. Well, but even even still, Whatever let's let's just say yeah. Okay, fine. But it could have. Right, right. He could have. Which is scary. I think it yes. scared him. Yeah. It's like he swung the exact other way. Well, I mean, and it's good for Grace because now instead of Grace trying to pull Morgan out of the shit in season five, I do see this interesting parallel of Morgan really just being there for Grace this time around instead of the other way around, you know, pulling pulling her out of it or trying to, or trying to fix everything. And then noticing that like, well, maybe shit takes time and Morgan should know better yeah. because shit took time from the, from the start of the apocalypse till now, which we're saying is, I guess, five or six years. Let's just say, we'll say four to six years to protect our bases. And Grace is kind of getting over it in like, what, two, one, one year? Or not getting over it, but like she's on her way to getting over it in like about a year. I don't know. Like how long has it been since Athena? I don't think a year. No, it hasn't but, been very long. It's probably okay. uh-uh. it could be a because year, Daniel Daniel was hurt at the lineup, right? With the big gash on his head. And by the time we get to six ten, that is healed up. So that's at least two two months or so. After that, I think it's fairly quick after that that we meet John Dory Sr. and they go to the sub and all that. So I think it's only been a couple of months since the lineup. I think maybe maybe three months at the most since the lineup. 
I would say more. That's the funny mm-hmm. thing. We don't know when we are. Huh. I would still say that Grace lost Athena less than a year prior yeah. to this episode. Yeah. Are there any markers for time in this episode, like to know where we are in the timeline? Because again, we're going to be playing with time, I suppose, aren't we? The only time we play with is the six hours they're allowed out of the sub. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What we said in the last episode is because we introduced Will and we are in this particular moment in time where it's 50 days after he left Alicia and he must have been with Alicia for about a year-ish. Well, I don't know. Or I guess we... That's a long time. I'd, I'd say a few months. You think if, I mean... All right, let's say, not, let's say probably just about... It won't about, take him long to see her, her leadership skills. We, we said he had to be there for a significant amount of time to see how she leads and to... And to long enough to be there to admire her quote, and unquote. to fall in love with her, right. it sounds like you know i mean that could all happen i within a few months i'd say and we know he's going to be reappearing hence the the passage of time meaning we'll be flipping back to those days the flashback yeah because you said there's uh daniel's gash heals over uh these time jumped episodes from last year from that season sorry then add that plus nuclear fallout in time Mm -hmm. with alicia plus 50 days but then again, we don't know where, where, when we are from this point, which means we're anywhere between, let's say, a couple months to a to a year, maybe, at, maybe even more. But that's that's okay, and it doesn't really matter because even if it was a year, let's say it was a year and a half, let's just say that. Even I'm just for just for this example, it's still quicker. Grace still kind of cops on quicker than Morgan ever had, like in terms of Morgan's pain and his regret, you know, mm. over not killing Jenny, which in turn kills. Dwayne, which was me- who was mentioned in this episode. But that's only because, I mean, in a sense, Grace has Morgan. And Morgan's been through this. And so he can help her through this situation. Or they can help each other through this situation. They can be awesome if, if Grace wants to be. Now, it seems like she wants to be. I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm okay with Grace being alive. Yeah, by the end, it definitely seems like she's glad that she's there. I, you know what's funny? Um, after after Sheridan and I watched 702, we went... we have been doing fear rewatches surprise surprise and we watched um 210 words per minute after we watched 702 and the similarities between those two episodes were crazy grace wanted to die even then i mean well i don't know about wanted but except she accepted that she was gonna die and and was like i'm cool i'm cool with that i'm like here we are in two seasons later and she's like kill me (laughs) it was just sad i don't know why i'm laughing it was sad (laughs) But you know what? <laughs> you said something that kind of just triggered something in me, which was like, I, I seem to regard in some respects, like these, this little imagery between Grace and John, John Dory, because in mm-hmm. some senses that you've seen John lose hope and it just, it just like switches him off that, that optimistic forward looking nature just switches off. And it's like, yeah, I wouldn't mind if I just stopped right here and gave up. And he did. And then blackjack and he did in, uh, or almost did like, I mean, June was there to drag him through it. <laughs> well, and then, just like Charity said, compare June to Morgan, and you're dragging Grace through the apocalypse. Don't you know? keep just like June. That up. <laughs> <laughs> just like, oh, man. The genie's out of the bottle, baby. <laughs> but, no, and I won't. I won't. But it's, it is kind of cool to see these similarities. But then, of course, how they do things differently. That's the key. 
really. It's one thing to draw parallels between two people, but it's good to see the differences of how they do things, which is great because they are individual characters. They act differently. They're not like Chuck Palahniuk uh, books where they all kind of talk the same. Sorry, I'm kidding. I'm bringing this up, but it's stupid. Or like maybe, or maybe the Walking Dead comic book. They have different personalities, but they all seem... If I put Robert Kirkman's voice to every single character in the Walking Dead comic book, it would make sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> Just, or like, you know, and for the girls, he does girl yeah, Exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> but, yeah. Oh, Rick! <laughs> yeah. And like, and then the kids, you know. And then I just think, but it's all, it's, it's all Robert Kirkman. Kirkman. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, yeah. and he, I'm thinking, of, he's like thinking, of, he's like, yeah, this is good, this is good stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Bobby. I would listen to that. I would listen if he if he an recorded audiobook. the comics as an audiobook. I would listen to that. Oh my god! We, but he would have to do the voices. Oh my god! Like I would want the voices. Oh, yeah. and he would, wouldn't he? Oh, we got. We should pay him to do it. I'm Rick Grimes. You know, we are the Walking Dead. I want to. Yes, I want to hear. We that. should pay him to do that. Just to do that for us, and then we'll play it on a YouTube video or podcast. <laughs> oh, I would be worth the money. We should crowdfund it. We should crowdfund it. Let's do it. Okay. Okay. Oh are you with me? <laughs> Are you with me? No. <laughs> no. And the, and the cheese stands alone. It was a good idea. It was a it was a good idea, yeah. but that sounds like a lot of work, good, and good. we got our hands full yeah, right we, now. We, yeah, too much, too much. Sorry. Yeah. We got we got to snooker somebody else to do it for us. <laughs> Mario, are you still in the chat? You want to do that for us? <laughs> no, is he though? While we're talking about similarities with uh, 210 words per minute and several other episodes, Grace is once again riding a horse, but this time it's a pinto. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta say, though, I love Uh, that damn damn car, though. I gotta tell you. That little Ford Pinto, little Mad Mo from Thunderdome. Yeah, that's that's it, everybody. I saw the inside the episode, too, with, with Ian and Andrew. I saw it. Grace mirrored Morgan in 601 when she was standing in there screaming, I'm not, I'm right here. I'm right oh, here. Oh, yeah. Just like Morgan Thank you. did. But what, what's the difference, right? Like, Morgan was saying that because he was still alive. Mm-hmm. And, and, like, I'm she not dead. I'm right here. You know? And then she's doing it because, well, you know, she wants them to kill her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and speaking of them, that's a very interesting thing. We meet Fred and B near this, or I don't know, we're assuming near the sub. And yet, you know, Morgan and Grace drive like, was it like an hour away or hour and a half away to go to this town where they're staying? Because obviously they're looking for places to go and they find the area where the sub is and they're like, "Ah, I guess this is bullshit. (laughs) So we're going back. So funny thing I noticed, I wanted to have a bone with that. But one of the things I actually did write down in my notes was the time every time Grace or Morgan looked at that damn clock. And when she's at the store or whatever, and we see Fred and B for the first time, the clock reads 321. Now, when we see them again, and Grace and Morgan are on the road, just before they get to this town, the clock reads 341. If they're going the same direction that Grace was originally going. By car. It would probably be. Yeah, that's true, too. She was walking and they were driving. Mm -hmm. But um, so they'd be a little farther. But if Fred and B continued on, I don't I don't know. Anyway, that was just what I noticed. And so I wanted to have a, I wanted to have beef, but I thought, oh, no, it, well, it was it was I mean, a lot of time because she went the out the same time. She went out and was out. It was like three hours when she was there and then she had to go back to the sub. But if they kept going on, that was still time for Morgan to go out and do his six hours mm-hmm. and then come back. So they still traveled for nine hours and then they caught up to him in the car. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Gotcha. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting that they made it all the way to wherever they Grace was walking around. And uh, see, I, I'm I'm caught between trying to figure out whether they're doing the desolation thing again, like in season four. Season four made it pretty clear, at least at the time, that that the biggest <laughs> antagonist was them. And look, season seven is making it very clear that the that the, that the antagonist is the environment mostly. But season four did that too. Oh. Okay, I remembered something I was I was gonna say. I I thought about for some reason in this episode how sad it, it might be that some of the people out there were people that that Morgan and crew were trying to help in like season five after they proved themselves or something, right? And then I was thinking to myself, God, after all this time of them trying to help people and then having helped people, maybe even gathering them generally because they they had a whole caravan, they had were radioing people in the area, I'm sure, or something like that, catching Jenny's attention obviously at some point and logan what happened to all the people they tried to help Nora's building too like what happened to them and i'm just thinking like it's it just gave me this like sudden like ugh moment like well that was for nothing essentially no i mean i, I don't i feel bad saying that but like it's just it just makes mm. your heart sing well a lot of the a lot of the people in Nora's building came back to the dam though mm. they're, all in, they're all in the caverns <laughs> With Wendell and Skidmark and There's the kids only... and Tess. And the kids. Hold on. Is is, is the yep. caverns the new Heath? Is that is that what we're talk, saying right now? Cause... Every, everybody that we don't see that we want still alive are just in the caverns. Because yeah. you know now we're going to we're gonna have to pull a Felix a la Leo. Like, okay, they have to be. Because otherwise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. We're all feeling that now, yep. right? Now a lot hinges on that, on believing. <laughs> but are we are we doing the believe a little longer here with Wendell and, and the kids? Well, and the- if they, <laughs> after the bomb went off, everybody had time to scatter. So they had time to radio back to the dam and tell all those people to, hey, any bit of food, anything you can grab, get it and get in the caverns and stay there as long as you can. <sighs> I just like that confirmed. Now, can I get that confirmed? <laughs> if they are in there, don't they also still need masks and hazmat suits and everything? Oh, well, not, if they're, not if they're underground. There could be like a natural porous. I, there's a whole bunch of things that because okay. you got all these like caverns down south too, where they have like natural reservoirs of filtered water through the table mm-hmm. and dripping from stalag. Okay, tights. Tights is top. Mites are bottom. I don't remember. You're right. Mar- You're Marius, right. am I? I have no idea. Marius saying, you are. Marius saying, I thought it was weird how the nuke warheads literally circled them, too. Literally, Wendell and uh, the kids in the caverns. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> he, means, he means Morgan. Well, if, he, if, okay, but, if, he's ref, if he's referring to the, to the sub, yeah, that does yeah, make sense, though, right, Mario? Because that's where they launched from. So, yeah. They, yeah. yeah. Oh, see, Mario. See, listen, it's very late. He's not tired at all, though. <laughs> <laughs> we are catching him off guard. This is later than we normally premiere. You know what I mean? Like, oh, like we'll premiere like an hour earlier usually. So Mario's like on his A game. Yeah. <laughs> Mario's always on his A game. What happened, Mario? I was going to say, Mario doesn't have another game. It's all, it's all A, a game. game. Except for that one. Except. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't they say that the bombs would have like a, the damage would have like a 200 mile radius? Mm. The fallout? Oh, yeah. yeah, but then it seems like the weather patterns are fucking with everything. Let's talk about that next, because this whole Louisiana business, okay? 
what implications do that have for the greater universe? This is like something I was kind of warning about in the season finale, I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, or USS Pennsylvania, probably. What's next to Louisiana, but if not like a couple states over Georgia, that's that's immediately where my mind went. It's like, oh, where can this reach? And then how far can this go? Now, I'm not saying it reaches Alexandria by any metric, but then like, I wonder, it's kind of like the campus colony thing. Okay, remember when we were talking about the first episode, Hope having her hallucinations about her home and what must what it must look like? It immediately made me think of like all the things that we went through in like the pilot for The Walking Dead and all that time Rick is waking up and then trying to make his journey out to find his family and it was like that's all gone maybe maybe I'm just saying like the, it entered into my mind that that may have been a possibility and like our journey is being erased in some way there's something really weird and final about that isn't there like uh, or like I don't know about sad but there's like oh we were there and now that's partially irradiated or, or something like that or nostalgia yeah 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 nostalgia. I guess it's a lot of that well, I think if any radioactive fallout reached Alexandria, we'd know by now because they're in the future. Well, I mean the Georgia thing, just like King County, Georgia, where we meet Rick and stuff like that. Here's the other thing. If if the weather patterns take all this, you know, radioactive weather over that way, it's not going to look any different, is it? It's just the people are going to start to deteriorate. Like I have no idea. Right? I really have no idea. People will be affected by what's in the air. Yeah, it would be like long-term damage like cancer and stuff oh, like that. Oh, kind of like Alicia's blood yeah. thing. But in, <laughs> but in yeah. people, not like the area. Right, like right. you would still go there and it would look the same way. It would just be dangerous for you to walk right. around unprotected. You know, I, had I done a little bit more research on the Chernobyl stuff, because I did after that, that series, the miniseries Chernobyl mm -hmm. aired, I was like, wow, this is way worse than we, we kind of like swept that shit under the rug. <laughs> but that shit has like, <laughs> like hundreds of years long-term effects. Mm -hmm. And for like, not just the general area, you're talking about Europe. Europe was affected by Chernobyl. You have generations that have long-term, like Charity said, long-term damage because of it, cancer and birthing issues and stuff like that. Ugh. And so now let's take that and unfortunately transpose that onto the series and what it means. And yeah, maybe it's not as not nearly as bad as this episode with Walker's spritzing um, goo from Double, Double Dare. Dare. It looked like Double, Double Dare. Dare. Oh. <laughs> it was like, and of course, I'm alienating ever, I'm anybody like, under 35 right now. <laughs> I'm like, you can't say that on television? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, yeah, with the slime pouring on everybody. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Mario's saying, I know it wasn't confirmed, but I thought they wanted to blow up as much as possible. And looking look at the map, it was just so weird. Yeah, and you know what? You're right, because... Just to remind you, Mario, and maybe us too, the guidance on these missiles was disabled. So they, Morgan at least got that done. Or I think it was Morgan, if I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken. He disabled the guidance, but they still launched. Just said, fuck it. Let's just launch. Did Morgan do that? Or no, did I just, Riley just not they put just in coordinates? Or he was stopped. Because right. um, they were going to launch nine more. So That also got me thinking that, did the winds blow up our beloved Georgia? But I was thinking about like how... I had assumed that they didn't hit CRM locations, but then I'm thinking, I cannot wait for World Beyond to confirm some of the things that are going on in the greater universe, like how we're killing Omaha because some psychopath in Texas with nukes decided to destroy one of our locations. They would have been a threat. If you hadn't heard one of Sharon D's theories in the last episode, which I we did air... <laughs> 
I don't think you have yet. I can't remember. You no, no, we recorded. So we recorded yeah. it. Yeah, you will be hearing it soon because this, this episode will well, come out. By first. the time this episode comes mm-hmm. out, yeah, the other one will be out, right? Yes, but yes, the other one will will have been out. Wow, timelines, people. Whoa. We can't even exist in our own reality, let alone the Walking Dead fucking, universe. <laughs> fucking timelines. No, which episode was that? <laughs> I think it was, you know, it's episode 158. Episode 158 is The Walking Dead World Beyond's uh, season two, episode three, because four is out now on AMC+. Plus. Yeah? Yeah? Yes. Okay, good. So yes. in that episode, Charity uh, theorizes that the reason why the CR goes after Omaha is because they have nuclear capabilities. They have nuclear silos. And the CR has already been burned once by a nuclear warhead-wielding psychopath named Teddy Theodore Maddox. So it's quite possible that, first of all, being the light of the world, that they want to have control over said nukes, causing a nuclear reactor from the inside, damage from the inside, and blowing up walls so walkers can get in from the outside, aka smokescreen, plausible deniability, to say, oh, column just overran them, explosion on the walls allowed them in. (laughs) So, you know, threat neutralized, right? No more potential psycho-killing nuclear warhead wielding people to stop more of our republic because they were a string of and so that brings another question that i don't really care for an answer right now but like in some senses they're not wrong i get it if you want to have control over the possibility of saving humanity i guess i understand it what do i always say kill them first (laughs) (laughs) but you can't that's not the walking dead way (laughs) <laughs> Fuck that. I'm done with The Walking Dead. It's over. Apparently it's the, it's the CRM way. <laughs> and the Reaper way. Yeah, I guess we're moving into that age. And now I want to expand on that theory. Because Ooh. in this episode, when Morgan is looking at the map that has Padre written on it and circled, if you look down to the lower left corner, there is a Portland, Texas there. And Portland, Texas is just across the uh, Corpus Christi Bay from Padre Island. So what if we're talking about the wrong Portland? What if the Portland is in Texas, not in Oregon? Has anyone said Portland, Oregon? Have, have, has anybody on World Beyond said Oregon? Or is it always just listen, been Listen, Portland? listen. The CRM has to have a base in Texas. Number one, Al was able to get Isabel just like that. Isabel has to be somewhere in the general area for her to be, just be able to fly a helicopter and pick everybody up at the drop of a hat. B, they have regular routes there. They have drop site Baker, drop site Delta. They're regularly flying around Texas, gathering mm-hmm. supplies and doing whatever they're doing. They have to have a base. Helicopters don't f- have that long of a range. Same thing with Isabel and them flying to get the, p- the parts out of the nuclear plant in season five. Helicopters don't have that long of a range. They couldn't have been flying all the way back to Omaha or whatever, or wherever the CR is. Obviously, to be the dumb guy that I am. I have to say like, oh, there's Portland, Maine, there's Portland this and Portland that. There's probably a lot of Portland, but you're, that's, sure, look, you're right. Sure. That's that's a really good idea. The only problem with, and I, I, I don't know if this was said or if this was shown on Iris's map, I do believe that she may have circled the Portland that's in Oregon though. Right. I, but I, I, I maybe think she's making the same maybe, assumption we are. Maybe she doesn't That's fair know. enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm willing to play in that that kiddie pool as long as they leave the kids out of that kiddie pool. When Morgan has the map spread out, the top, the, like a topographical map, it looked like, and his hand is oh, kind of yeah, blocking okay. when they're in the car. 
if you zoom in really, really close in the right-hand corner, they're outside of Houston. You can see Houston written on it just, just barely. What I want to do is take a screenshot of that map and overlay an actual map of Houston and see where they are, where they have the stuff circled and where they are on their trip. Or the map sisters ride again? No? No? Is, is that jig up? Is, is we, yeah, are we no, putting that to I, that? We've been no, adding, we, we've we been adding crazy stuff. with maps. Yeah. Yep. Okay, okay, good, good, good. Also, Galveston is just south of Houston, and um, Padre Island yep. is south of that. So if yep. the bombs went off around Houston and they're blowing towards Louisiana, then everything south of there would be clear from the fallout. So technically, Padre Island and Portland would be clear from the, the nuclear fallout. Didn't you also say that those locations are just outside the 200-mile radius yes, as well? Yes, they are just outside like just outside the 200-mile radius that they were talking about for the bomb. Texas is huge. Everything that they're talking about is like basically near Port Lavaca, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just down south where you cross the... Inlet. Yeah, okay, you cross the inlet to Padre, the Padre mm-hmm. chain. I think Port Lavaca is just a little bit... Uh, north of, of Portland. And it makes sense, like the winds down there, the tides, they get pretty high, they get pretty low, probably sweeps in and out, you know, radioactive material and out to sea or something like that, which, okay, you know, not our problem, world. <laughs> oh, one more thing. Portland, Texas has the Strand Institute of Beauty. Guys, we found him. We found him. <laughs> there he is. Are you, you, you better mark that on your map, the Strand Institute of Beauty. I will. <laughs> because here's the thing. Here's the <laughs> we all know. <laughs> I can't believe I'm say this. We all know eventually Strand becomes, you know, not a good guy, not a bad guy, just a guy trying to live in the apocalypse. And that's the, that's the story I'm sticking to. They're not going to kill him off the show. He's going to just live out his days, crimping hair, crimp, crimping hair. Because <laughs> that's what people, that's, listen, you got time to kill in the apocalypse. You got to crimp what your hair. they used to do. Yeah, exactly. Crimp your hair. Why crimping everybody? Mario says, speaking of that CR... M is in Texas just to make sure that submarine doesn't fire a single missile ever again. Now that that makes me wonder why isn't CRM all over this sub already? Clearly they saw what happened. Nobody missed those missiles going off. Maybe you'll agree with me on this one. I, CRM seems to play it safe. Like okay, talk about Nora's building, right? They stuck to the the drop side on the roof of this of her building and just Got, got the F out. Never went inside. Somebody came upstairs. Yeah. They ye- yeah. they yeeted him off the roof. Brandon so- <laughs> <laughs> Will all over again. Oh, no. <laughs> Sad. Will and Mark. <laughs> Unknown Mark. <laughs> Fuck Mark. He's an asshole anyway. They're popovers. You know, oh, we dropped this off here so another helicopter could pick it up there, blah, 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 blah. And never the twain shall meet, right? So this is just to be efficient with... Mm-hmm fuel or, or whatever but they play it safe they don't go in anywhere they they don't need to they have to clear it with somebody like with pope i mean sorry with kublik <laughs> my bad <laughs> you know they don't take too too many excessive risks because if they do then they have to genocide the whole building probably so to your point rach why would they risk a l- possible low yield why would they take the chance that people survivors weren't wouldn't be in there that they'd have to deal with and risk losing the nukes in doing so right like why risk people if that's what we're trying to save and yeah and why would why would they want to send their people into a radioactive area yeah sorry i meant to leave with that and i forgot Why would CRM want to go back to the sub? To make sure no one else sets any more missiles off and potentially hits their bases. Oh, well then. They don't They don't know who's still there. You know, 
So instead of doing that, why haven't they destroyed the sub? Or, or that. Right? That's sure, a better sure, question. Sure, sure, to, to, to your sure. point. To your point. Like, it just, it seems like CRM hasn't paid any attention to this submarine that potentially wiped out half of Texas. Oh, <laughs> to finish my thought, which I don't even know if I did, it seems like what if Riley had programmed some of the CRM locations? I, I didn't know if it was very clear about that. And they went off and it, cri- hmm. and it crippled their Texas operation. So maybe... I wouldn't say that they're crippled enough to not want to do it, but I don't think the CR is motivated by revenge. I think their motivation is we are the light of the no, world. No, but they're out, they're out for self-preservation at the very least. Right. And this thing has the potential to set off more missiles. So it's a threat. It's more of a threat than Omaha or Campus Colony. Hmm. But maybe they decided that whatever the threat was, it neutralized itself in the process a pretty big assumption. Well, I mean, if you look at the, just the radiation pattern or just where the bombs fell and it, even Morgan is doing the trajectory. Okay, this is where the bombs fell. And if he can do it from where he is, I'm sure the CR, I don't know, I'm making assumptions, but I'm sure the CR can probably decide for themselves like, oh, why did they, why did these idiots blow themselves up? First of all, why even launch them? But whatever. But they did and they killed, then they shot themselves. They made it so th- their lives, whoever shot it, made their lives impossible. But to your point, they could at least in some capacity, right, shoot the sub somehow with a missile, an ICBM or something. I don't know. Just seems like a pretty big threat that they're kind of ignoring. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I agree. So that should say something, though. That should definitely say something, shouldn't it? If they hadn't responded, there must be a reason why they couldn't or decided not to. And now maybe we'll explain. Yeah. Hey, there's no reason why we can't explore that reason. Be a reason. We have a peek into the CR via Walking Dead World Beyond, but in present day, four to six years in the future. But what is the CR now? We kind of know what they are. But have they reached the capacity that they have in present times in the past? The warheads that went off in Texas could have been the thing that united them, too. There's something about a tragedy that unites people. And if the Civic Republic was maybe having their own civil war or not quite cohesive as they are now with their, you know, we are the light of the world ideology, maybe this was the thing that got everybody to buck up and tighten their assholes and become the CR that we know in the world beyond. The CR that genocides a ton of people, too, to protect themselves, to protect the Republic. Look, we, we could be talking about the very thing that makes the CR as, you know, thing to look up to in some ways, but also thing to kind of be terrified about today. Even though we still have enough evidence in the past to know if you see them, you're already dead. They kill their own if they go AWOL, that sort of thing. Like when we first meet Isabel, that's what we first find out about them completely. Or the idea of them completely is as Isabel as the introduction. Well, actually, Rick, but whatever. We didn't know that much. They were kind of hiding in the shadows until then. Mars says, uh, but they don't know where the submarine is. Would be quite hard to find it in all that smoke, especially them. And hel- yeah, and since they use helicopters, that is the disadvantage. Yeah, that's a very good point. So maybe they don't quite have all the capabilities that they, that they have. And if they are coming down in helicopters, they're quite exposed. So maybe it's just too big a risk. Maybe it never was quite the, the mission that they could pull off. And maybe they learned something from it, too, with respect to Omaha. So you never know. Maybe they only take on jobs they know they can complete. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That makes a ton of sense. You got to know the ins, the outs, the in-betweens, so you don't risk your people. Because what if one of them gets captured somehow? By Emma and Fred. You know, by... By Emma and you know, B, by or Teddy, Fred and B. By, by Teddy and ends up in an embalming room? Yeah. Hmm. Well, <laughs> and see, maybe that was the mistake, right? Morgan 
basically sacrificed everybody to save Grace, who now just wants to die. It's like the greatest irony. So how did how did he sacrifice everybody? Or just just to kind of put a button because on it. he gave up the key. Oh oh right in um in dreams. In dreams. He gave, Thank you. He gave up the key to save Grace, and now she just wants to die. That's funny. So what I said about my hypothetical mm. scenario about uh, Grace versus everybody else. So he chose Grace. And he chose poorly. Parallel to the... <laughs> you chose you chose poorly. poorly. <laughs> you know that. I, I've, I've snuck that in before, right? You just never detected it until yeah. now. <laughs> no, I, I, I laugh to myself every time. <laughs> Wait, but let me let me just say the parallel though. The parallel to Victor is very apt. Choosing grace is a selfish choose when you are choosing between that and humanity, let's say. But then you compare it to Victor who chooses himself. He also chooses himself over humanity. Anyway, so yes, Indiana Jones reference. I said that's just another Indiana Jones reference. The other one was the walkers in the helicopter and the airplane blades last season. <laughs> oh. oh, two seasons ago, yeah. What? <laughs> and Strand was responsible for that. Yeah, he was. Mm-hmm. Come on, guys. Don't you remember the good old times? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> when Strand was trying to be a good guy. Yeah. But that bullshit, right? Right? right, right. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it was not a good look for him. But he did such cool things. He's doing so much better now. Tell me you didn't like I, that scene I in can... season five where he's like, your mother would be proud or something like that. And they When they're just, in the airplane. Yeah, right? She said, yeah. not just of me. Uh-huh. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah. Mm. So you bar. Hope you hope you meet Madison soon, Victor. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> Not anymore, anyway. Dude. No, I'm 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 okay. digging bad strand. Oh, okay. So we okay, okay. Gotcha. This is what I've always wanted yeah. for him. I've I've always said this, and he's finally listened to me. I I can't wait to see what happens next because it can't be that cut and dry. You know, it won't be that cut and dry. They're not gonna bad strand or or maybe he's gonna do a lot of bad before they even think about rolling it back. Oh boy. Mm. I mean, take this episode for instance. See, I'm gonna bring it back now. They it appears as though Howard and crew ran sacked the submarine and took whatever they had left you know left them probably pittances right like oh nobody likes fucking green beans nobody artichoke hearts (laughs) poor charlie (laughs) dude i will say one thing i like artichoke hearts but like to eat them difficult difficult they're so difficult to eat you just gotta i have never eaten one i couldn't tell you yeah mario knows right I don't know. I'm just I'm just saying that out loud. It's not as if Howard came in and said, "Oh, I didn't, I thought this would be a fruitless mission, but oh, I found out Morgan Jones is here." No, he he just took everything in the sub and was about to leave. And so, mm-hmm. and yeah, until they found the miracle supply of stuff, which I thought was kind of cool. What, what that did, was cool. What did that remind me of, though? Oh, it does kind of remind me of like June finding the trapdoor to the to the bunker. In a sense, the gun hits that the was, floor. That was John Senior. Yeah, 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 yeah. June and John, John Senior, right? There's like this little like, oh, wait, what? What's this? How about the scene in in Walking Dead? I I can't remember exactly what episode it is now, but Connie and Daryl are out, and Connie has that hidden stuff under. It's like in a floor panel under a piece of board. Yeah, and she and there's a bunch of her stuff down there. Yeah, Strand's hidden car full of supplies in season four. <laughs> hidden, quote unquote. Hidden. Secret, more oh like. <laughs> yeah. Mars says well, that's a very good point. What will happen when we have the keys? Nothing. Nothing will happen. They they'll turn into. St. Christopher Medallions. 
<laughs> they should have melted them down. Yeah. It's St. Christopher medallions. So if those keys are still out there somewhere, then those other missiles could still potentially launch, yes? Morgan has the keys. Well, I would assume he but, does because they were but left But if someone in the threatens sub. Grace and then he gives them up. <laughs> Again. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe Howard has them now. Well, you know uh -oh. what? I would say that Morgan probably has it on his person, don't you think? Or mm -hmm. I haven't seen it, but I would think. Wouldn't you? Hope, yeah, yeah, that, that, I think that's a strong possibility. I just hope no one threatens Grace's life. Otherwise, he's just going to give him up. And I wish they'd seen what the, because the, Morgan is obviously wearing the crew's uniforms and stuff like that, right? So mm -hmm. I wanted to see if they were wearing Walter Sabuski's, I call him Sabuski's <laughs> uniform, <laughs> because you get that callback with, well, not, uh -huh. not necessarily callback, it's a call forward with whom I am calling Josiah, which is Emil's twin brother, essentially. Right. And you get the scene all over again. The beans. Rufus is licking the beans. And, oh, you killed my brother. See? <laughs> I don't know. Sorry. That's how he sounds like in my head now. Ass um, Rufus. Yeah. I man. can't believe he right. just goes wherever. Like, right? He goes. Flapping motherfucker. He goes where the scent is, basically. And you saw the scene where he, he flees. It's B and Fred. They open the car up and Rufus just goes. Doo -doo -doo. Morgan's trying to call him back and. Yeah. Rufus is like, fuck you, Morgan. I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm out. In a few seconds, you see Josiah. And I'm calling him that because Demetrius Gross yet again blew his character's spot ahead of the oh, airing. No. Yeah. It's not even aired yet. Guys, we're recording before it publicly airs. And I found out about this a week ago. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I don't know if he took it down at some point, but because sometimes they do when this stuff happens. Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah, he spoiled the reveal. We talked about it because I was like, is this real or is this some uh -huh. fake shit? So, yeah, yeah, we weren't yeah. sure it was real or not. Yeah, yeah. We were spoiled on it last week. The interesting thing about like the name that he's giving, either he's giving or I think it is official at this point, is that he gave Emil that name last season. At the beginning of last season, he, he called himself Josiah or Josiah Emil LaRue or something like that. But meanwhile, they just took the name, separated them, made it the twin brother. I guess this is like one of the few times the audience gets what they what it what it wants, which is essentially like right? a redo of Emil. We wanted Ooh. we wanted Demetrius Gross back and they gave him to us. And now I'm sitting here like, I don't know how to feel. Right. I, <laughs> me too. Right. Because it's not because of the audience. The audience thing doesn't bother me at all. No, no. Although no. it is creeping in the back of my mind. that like, really? Oh, OK. I guess it can happen. <laughs> but it's the whole like, OK, how do I how do we feel about lightning striking twice? What will happen as a result? Right. And I, did you note the weapon he was wielding like in the shadows, how it looked like? It looked kind of like an axe to me. It looked like a pickaxe with a shovel at the end of it. Like this, like if mm -hmm. anything you can do, I can do better to Morgan. <laughs> like, oh, a bow axe? Well, here's a shovel pick. <laughs> huh? You think you can pass my brother, she? <laughs> Sorry. Oh my God. <laughs> it doesn't sound at all like that. <laughs> I know it's not possible, but I almost wish... Morgan would be wearing Emil's clothes when he meets Josiah. Oh, uh, right. And now he's wearing all these sub clothes, right? Maybe he'll yeah. wash it and eventually wear it. Wash it? <laughs> he's going to wash it? For the first time in 10 years, something's going to get washed? Well, I mean, they probably have, uh, they have like uh, washing machines, right? I mean, they. by the way, they must, right? Oh, I, on the sub? Yeah. On, on a sub, they got to. Oh, they live there, so they've right. got to. The one uniform oh. that they wear for a week and... <laughs> 
<laughs> then they switch to the other one while the other one gets washed, right? So Mario says, wasn't he with Sarah in the promo pictures that I saw online? And I think I saw him with Morgan in the trailer also. Uh, you see, you're talking about uh, Demetrius? Josie? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Josiah? <laughs> there was a one trailer where you see it was a person we didn't know and Sarah and Morgan and the person yeah. we didn't know apparently is is him. And uh, also, some mm-hmm. pictures were accidentally posted that weren't supposed to be yet. And one of them is Sarah with with that guy, but you can't see his face; you can only see him from behind. But apparently, they, that's basically apparently Demetrius. That's okay. Yeah, that basically that's who it is. I'd be mad about being spoiled about it if Demetrius wasn't just a cool dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's so it's so terrible of me to feel that way too. Like, if it was anybody I else, ex- I'd get so mad. I guess I am excited at the idea of him, like, being on our side. Well, I guess we'll see. And then again, playing with time, and he's just going after Morgan. So well, how is that going to make Sarah feel? And then if you see them in the room together, I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know how to feel about this, considering. There's, there's nothing There's nothing that Morgan's going to be able to say to, like, get himself out of trouble either. He can't be like, well, he was trying to kill me. Like, okay, and it's still his brother. Like, there's literally nothing you can say to make up for chopping off his brother's head and sticking it in a box. (laughs) I mean, well, okay, clearly the box was marked with his name, which meant his Mm -hmm. head was supposed to be in the box. And so if Emile's head is in the box, maybe Josiah is thinking there must be a reason for this, and I need to know why. Can you tell me about my brother why is it that his head is in your box? Mm-hmm. So I can see maybe a person on a spiritual mission to find out what mm-hmm. exactly happened with his brother, not seeking revenge for once in I like this, fucking, this fucking show. I like that because we, when we do see him walking up to Morgan, he yes, he has a weapon, but... <laughs> Morgan's the one firing at him. Yes. Like, not once does does he fire off a shot. Oh, I don't. We don't really know if he has a gun, but I mean, I mean, now that you say that, he was intimidating but not aggressive. Does that make sense? No, no, that makes perfect sense. In fact, we're not used to Morgan preemptively striking. He does warn him. Fair enough. But he does. And how does that make him different than any other TWU character ever? In a sense, not different. Well, he gave him a warning. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. Okay. So he's still him. <laughs> he okay, actually gotcha. gave a warning. Gotcha. So he's still Morgan. I get it. Fine. Uh, but he still shoots. This is again. This is something we have to appreciate yeah. because yeah. Morgan doesn't generally do that. He gives people chances. Doesn't kill people. Mm-hmm. He's not prone mm-hmm. to killing people. And for all he knew, he and in that moment, he did kill someone. I didn't get time, so I was hoping someone would look up beta burns. It's beta radiation. Right. B calls him. Beta burns, and I just wanted to I just wanted to know a little bit more about that. Uh, and- beta burns are caused by beta particles. They're usually shallow there surface burns, usually of skin and less often of lungs or gastrointestinal tract. Well, okay. That's actually pretty important because it's not exactly right. life-threatening. <laughs> right. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Eee. Just surface surface burns, but everything on the inside sounds like it's still fine. <laughs> you know, and that that is an interesting metaphor too, because this couple does parallel Grace and Morgan in a sense. You do see the baby crying here, and then you do kind of see the baby crying there, but it's no longer a baby. And they're ba- I'm sorry. They're basically slightly more severe sunburn. Mm. Oh, not for, all not, right. Not for Emma. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Well, yeah. Well, her dad killed her. Mm. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a B. I'm a B. <laughs> oh. But, you know, it's funny that you should say that because it echoes what Gray says about the timer 
She can she can survive them because of the beta burns, but she can't mm-hmm. survive the timer, which clearly shows when you see Emma dead. Now, I, it, it seems to me that like uh, Fred does put Emma out of her misery, right? Because she was in a lot of pain. She was crying from the pain, but yeah. she was in pain because the time ran out. They didn't have a timer. They didn't have protective clothing. The bombs went off and it was just curtains, yeah. mostly for Emma. It's not a lot of surface area for a kid. It's just... She's oh. got a lot less surface area than they do, too. Mm-hmm. So. It'd basically be like getting sunburned over and over and over and over and never being able to heal up from it. It, just, right. it would just burn your Ugh. skin away. Yikes. Ugh. A life full of pain. Excruciating. Yeah. Damn. Ooh. Yeah, which kind of explains why when she's putting the bandages on, it's like, it's hurt. It's just very painful for her, mm-hmm. uh, for B. Like I was saying in the beginning, the show has this weird, funny thing of if you are annoyed by baby Moe's crying, you're right to be annoyed, in a sense. Like, they're attacking two people. Uh, they're attacking the crowd on two vectors. Mothers who have children, mothers who've lost children that are dealing with other people's children. But mostly, I'm, I'm dealing from this from my angle, because Charity and I were like, fucking shut the f- up, okay? Then you get to the end of the episode, and you're like, oh, Fred did what we thought should have been done. <laughs> <laughs> and now you feel bad and now yeah, you feel bad i feel terrible <laughs> i am serious I, I feel terrible yeah. and then i thought okay well then if that happened and then i look at grace and grace is now like an angel <laughs> in my because like right? she had like infinite patience and I was, I was thinking to myself like grace never had a chance to become a mother like i i keep thinking about like that part of it too not only did i, I my was my child it's not stillborn, right? That's is it's yeah, it's stillborn. It's a stillbirth, right? Yeah. Not only not only was that the case, but you're talking about Morgan, who was a father, right? Who went through all of that before. Grace never did. And I keep looking at her a scant, like where I'm like, I don't know how she's deal like how she's able to put up with this, but she is. And like and I would be throttling this kid. And I wouldn't. I wouldn't be. Rest assured. But like you're a viewer. You you're desensitized. You're anonymous behind a screen. You're you're like, fuck this baby. Fuck this whole show. I don't want to <laughs> deal with this. I wasn't I didn't pay for I didn't pay good money to see this. There's just something tragic about by the time you get to this episode, you it does humanize it the whole situation to the point where like you you really connect with if like assuming you watch it again, you really connect with those words that she says out, you know, like I'm still here and then you know, take me and then rob me. Please take my life. You really connect with those words because, because then you, because then you can, because then you have a soul. No, I mean, if I was stuck on a freaking tin can with a screaming baby for hours at a time, I would want to die too. So I totally get it. Right. We just got the highlights reels. Yeah, I, <laughs> I totally get it. I just realized that we have a really good timeline marker that we completely overlooked. Please, yes. Mo. Baby Mo. Oh, as a child. Baby Mo. Crawling. Okay. Baby Mo was born at the beginning of season six, and she's now just crawling. Could be within. They a- were surprised. Right, right. So right. The, it could be within a year. Oh, because this is your Judith rule. Mm-hmm. So within a year, would, right? Would you say? I would say. I mean, every baby's different. Yeah, and definitely. I would place Baby Mo anywhere between six and nine months old right now. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was thinking say six months to a year, but yeah, nine months sounds mm-hmm. even better. Well, by a year, they should be. Closer to walking, yeah. so not just not just crawling, not just slithering. 
like my yeah. nephew. Silas never crawled. He did this fun little army like army pole thing yeah. with his front arms. That was it. He never got up on all fours. <laughs> that's that's what my that's what my nephew did for the longest time. Just yeah. the, the slithering thing. That's what he, that's yep. what he called yep. it, slithering. And then one day he got up and walked. That was it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My dad said that I he he always changes the the month, but he says David he learned how to walk at six months old. <laughs> but and then he'll, then he'll change it to say and then by seven months he was running <laughs> like. <laughs> I don't think that even when my mom's looking at him, you know, I birthed him, right? <laughs> Every time you tell this story, it changes. You yeah, know? exactly. <laughs> but apparently that's, that's, I guess. David was crawling the day after he was born. <laughs> he, he was running out of your mom's vagina. What? <laughs> oh, didn't, because he didn't want to be there anymore. You useless cow. Anyway. So, wow, dad, you take exaggeration to a whole other level. Dad, we need to take you to a doctor. <laughs> so, but that's a great marker. Good for you. Good for you. I like it. I like it a lot. And you know, okay, because I want to take this a little further because imagine, because I think you can, being in a tin can for as long as they have, let's say, six to nine months. Mm. Wouldn't seeing baby Mo suddenly crawling be very surprising? You, of course, you're marking the time, right? You're marking that they're doing the X on the calendar bit in the TV show, which we should see, but of course we're not. They say, <laughs> oh, it's too cliche. We can't do this. First of all, we don't want to give them a timeline either. So That's fuck, right. Fuck That's these right. guys, nothing, right? Nothing concrete. <laughs> imagine, can you imagine the writer's room? Like, no, 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 we can't be definitive. No, no, shut the fuck up. If we say that, they're going to call us on it. Yeah. Oh, and you know Damn what? I'm straight. It would be great because let's say they had the calendars from like 2008. <laughs> they totally fuck with us at that point. But anyway, throwing that aside, wouldn't it be interesting to, to feel, I don't know if this is an intentional mechanic, but of course it would make sense to them to not feel the passage of time in this tin can where everything looks the same. Yeah. You really can't go outside. There are no windows. There's Hello, no... we just did, we all just did that for a year. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm talking about. It goes even further with like some things in the episode that get dropped. It's like, Grace, Grace, put your mask on. Put, put your mask on, Grace. Come on, please. And so I love that. I, <laughs> we got to go to the store. Put your mask on. And by the way, I, I saw that in other episodes, and I can't remember exactly which one. Like, I, It could have been Walking Dead or it could have been, uh, but it's definitely Fear the Walking Dead. But I saw like little references to that as well. Distinctly COVID moments and that I never really got to touch on because it's little bits and pieces. But even like the whole, you got to stand far away from them. It's like social distancing. So, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I, I can respect that, even though like we, we all kind of just want this shit to be over, but it's clever usage for you to kind of identify with like where they're at now in a nuclear zombie apocalypse. Like, like what you got to do, you got to keep your mask on. <laughs> you got to stay far away from the irradiated people and walkers and vegetables and mm -hmm. cans of powdered milk. Oh my. <laughs> I have a question. So when Morgan and Grace get back to the submarine, Morgan says something along the lines of baby Mo's going to be hungry again soon. Yes. Mm -hmm. My question is, when did she eat? Wasn't this whole episode about finding her food and I did not see them find anything and feed her anything. So when did she eat? I thought that B was feeding her when they were hunched over the car. When she was like, didn't you even feed my daughter or whatever? I thought she fed her right after that. But I could be very wrong. They also mentioned supplies. Morgan distinctly yeah. mentions, hey, you could bring your whatever supplies you meant to bring to travel outside the fallout the with, with us to the cell. The only thing I see in the car is baby Emma. <laughs> <laughs> and like, and how, and how, right? <laughs> it just like right? tossed yeah. her like luggage, <laughs> literally. 
Literally. Oh my god. So twisted. It's like a mirror darkly of Morgan and Grace. The reason I asked that is because the the can of powdered milk that Grace does end up finding in the in the beginning scene when she runs into B and 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 Fred, she leaves it there, doesn't she? Because after Fred touches it, it's too radioactive to take back. Mm-hmm. Did I see that right? It was also shot yeah. too. The shot, yeah. They clipped oh, it. Oh, okay. That, yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. So, it, it, so exposing that never it, came back to the sub. Yeah, exposing the oh. organic material to. When we were talking Thanks, about how yeah. Fred and B got there too, actually, we forgot to mention that that's where they lived. They had been living there when the bombs oh, went yeah. off. And the strings on the cans were yeah. how they all communicated with each other. I just You're wasn't right. sure if the store that Grace went to, and it doesn't seem like it is, uh, the store that they she went to was this in their town. I, I don't think no, it was. No, I don't, that, I don't that's think That's what so. I was trying to figure out because maybe B and Fred yeah. were just trying to feel out their boundaries of where they were and... They happened on this store. I don't know how they got there. That's the thing that's tripping me up a bit. But maybe they have all the time in the world to roam around since they're like, oh, well, we're already exposed. We're going to die anyway. Let's just take a long ass walk, maybe a day or two, (laughs) and then come back. Because we have to remember that Morgan and Grace can't have been out there very long driving. They're only giving themselves six hours anyway, even if when they start off, it's like zero because... What Morgan is saying is true. They really did hermetically seal this car. And when you look at the Geiger counter, you see like when they leave, it's 0.01, which is statistically insignificant. And then like they get on the road and it's like, (laughs) yeah, this also goes to show that some people were like, well, you know, first of all, they, they're incredulous about Victor as it is, right? Like how, whoa, the weather patterns are oh, the weather patterns are bullshit. And like, okay, fine. And yet people don't really criticize Morgan and Grace's fallout or anything like that because, oh, the winds came in and blew in like nothing happened to them. Bullshit. And yet their Geiger counter in the car is 0.01. As soon as they start driving out of their area, that's when things start to pick up. So it, it kind of is supposed to relay more information to the viewer that where they're at with the sub is actually pretty safe. It's generally safe. It's just when you venture out outside of that area is when things start to get really bad. So worth mentioning. So these masks and the hazmat suits that they're wearing are really only partial protection. Is that accurate? I think accurate? so too. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which is why the six hour timeline. Okay. Because I was thinking if they have all this gear on, isn't that designed to protect them? Why can't they travel as far as they need to? I'm good with that. This goes to a larger question too, which is real life. What we learn in, in the last two conflicts, like let's say in Afghanistan and Iraq, let's say, at least the, the more recent ones, not in, in the 80s, late 80s, early 90s, you'd have soldiers going in with with without adequate protection and that sort of thing. And it just goes to show that maybe, I mean, again, it's 2008, it's just after the, you know, hmm. 2008 2010 but whatever <laughs> you know what i'm saying you know we uh-huh. we know the real timeline <laughs> but, that's right but but like we this is around the, the time timelines. where we're like we're finding out yeah that's still the case yeah yeah they're, they're they don't have the adequate equipment so they're you know you go to the uss pennsylvania okay they have like substandard nuclear fallout gear for each soldier and stuff like that so it's quite possible that you know they have just enough to kind of protect them for a certain amount of time to get gtfo but probably mm-hmm. not enough enough time to survive long term so that checks out to me i don't know about you yeah yeah Yeah. i'm good with that do you guys want to venture into the songs a little bit because if you want to cover the bases we can let's list out the song names and i'll tell you when that where they come in so that you guys can look it up yourself 
themselves. They are all very fitting. Yeah. To what's yeah. going on. I really liked it. Yeah. These these were hard to find, too. Did you have that difficulty as well? Were you? Didn't you have your captions on? No. I, captions on it. Even with the captions, I was looking up the titles and not finding the hits. Like, you know, I, I do put it in quotes and then I'd say lyrics. Right. And then I'd be like, what? Uh, where? Huh? No results, but on some of them. And I'm like, okay, oh. then I have to get creative. I have to use my Google Foo and whatever. Anyway, so Baby Please Forgive Me is from Grace, Tennessee. And this is when Grace is trying to put uh, Baby Mo to sleep for the first time, as we see it. <laughs> and it's all about, like, no matter how I try, hard I try to, to, to make me forget you, I can't get you off my mind, so I'm always feeling blue. Okay. That, that's a wrap. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> I love the era that it pulls it from, and I love the, the genre, at least, too, mm-hmm. because... It's not as heavy. It's not like an emo or death metal song. So it's like, it's not really, really sad, but it's like sad enough. It's, it is kind of like crying or what is it called? Uh, Roy Orbison? Oh no, In Dreams. I'm like crying. Yeah, but crying is one of his songs, I think. Well, crying is another, yeah, crying is another, that's another good one. I keep thinking of that. Yeah. Then comes Cabin on the Hill, which is right when Grace wakes up. This this song comes on just for like a brief moment. And that's from uh, Flat and Scruggs and the Foggy Mountain Boys. Just when Morgan comes back. They're from where I live. Whom? The the Foggy Mountain Boys? Lester Flat and Earl Scruggs, they lived here in in the area that I live in. Ah. In, what what do you say, Dennis? Within like five miles of us? Huh. Wow. Yeah, the song Foggy Mountain Breakdown is written about here, where we live. But Earl Scruggs was born here. Ah, uh, I see. Yeah. The town, Rutherfordton, has a Earl Scruggs museum. There. Oh, that's awesome. So did uh, the town where Lester Flat came from, did they fight with this town? Because that sounds like something <laughs> that could happen. <laughs> oh, I hate that town. Probably here, yeah. And then they just shook, <laughs> shook hands and decided to make a band. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was just something interesting. No, it's great. It's great. That is interesting. A little connection. Yeah. Okay. Who cares about the song at this point? (laughs) It makes more sense to me. Actually, it kind of ties together something that we kind of say about Morgan. Like Morgan does kind of mention, hey, I I used to sing Dwayne to sleep. And so, so this song goes into, there's a happy child at home in my memory I can see standing out upon the hill in the shadow of a tree. So, and then Athena, tree, in dreams. So it's kind of cool. And it it really kind of talks about like if only i could have just distilled this moment in time and and live there you know go back there in my mind kind of like what i was saying about georgia having a little bit of that fallout i'm kidding whatever but like yeah in dreams so and of course she's waking up from a dream just now like she's just she's just fallen asleep and of course in her dreams you know maybe there's athena i don't know next song is i'll put i'll put that gambling down by reggie taylor that was a hard one to find this is just as they leave the sub and it's turn around and leave this town and i'll put that (laughs) that old gambling down now that is actually kind of cool because you get into the topic of morgan and what he's trying to do and grace calls him out on it too i feel like we every now and again morgan needs like a gut check like you need somebody to kind of like go hey morgan you can't fix me. You can't make this better. And by the end of the episode, you do get that resolving. But that's kind of what the song is going through. Say you'll turn around. Don't turn my life upside down. Don't leave me in the cold. Will you do me bad? Think of all the good times that we had. So there's a little bit of back and forth. Morgan's basically saying to Grace, he's like, yeah, but, you know, don't don't leave me in the cold here. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm right here. I'm right here, Grace. Athena may not be, but I am. So there's a little bit of that interplay going on here. And he's, he's saying, come on, honey, we'll leave this town. And, you know, I'll put this that old gambling down. So a little bit of Morgan and Grace in this one. I, I say all this just to get to the end of it, because it, it's basically saying he's saying, I'm going to put it down. I'm going to put put it down. Put the gambling down, basically. Both of them have to kind of decide for themselves. You know, Morgan has to be OK 
And it's kind of cool to see between damage from the inside, deciding that his way can't always be the the way. And then also seeing in this episode, maybe some things are not best left broken, but like, it's okay that things are broken. We can leave things be. And I feel like that's going to take us into a whole new era of, I hope, of Morgan, where it's like, I don't have to play this good guy, bad guy thing with Strand, maybe even. Do you mm. know what I mean? Like, as much as the, the poster is sh- depicting this, like, good versus evil, Strand versus Morgan kind of bit, I feel like they're going to try to angle this in a way that it's like, I, I, I'm just trying to live here, brother. I'm just, honestly, there's, have you seen outside? It sucks. I'm not getting into this with you, you know? I would be okay with that, personally. If um, Strand was meaning harm towards morgan he would have had howard howard would be under our under orders to kill him if they came across him or something you know but they were just like hey you're just not welcome so peace out well we know strand wants everyone to see how well he's doing and if they're dead they won't see how well he's doing right that's true too there's also the things that he says and howard echoes this too like okay in the last episode they're like he's like i'm not worried about morgan not really not at all and yet he does want to employ some of these people like grace into his fold which makes sense practical sense oh yeah i mean and, i'd want grace around too and even like the idea of baby mo in the into intrigues me a little bit does that mean there is a little altruism involved there too Maybe as long as, okay, let's play with these themes a little bit. Kind of like the CRM, kind of like Pope. As long as this future that I'm building in my little pocket is in my own image, why not share it if it mm-hmm. suits me? I'm trying to play with this. Because, I mean, you see him come in and Grace is like, we don't have, want to have anything to do with you. Which is kind of like what Morgan was trying to do. Morgan was trying to give Grace everything, you know, a possible future to live for, right? And then decides, okay, it's okay to be broken. It's fine. Grace completely agrees. Not only that, defends this position by saying, no, no, I will not go. No, baby Mo won't go either, even though that probably would be what's best for baby Mo. Are you still on the idea that like Victor wants the people whom he used to associate with, he wants them to see how well he's doing or? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's said said it more than a few times. He wants to prove everybody wrong. Mm -hmm. And he wants them to see how wrong they are. Do you think that they'll do the same? He'll do the same thing to them that (laughs) he did to Will. Is that maybe the angle? Try to throw Morgan over the edge? Well, (laughs) no, not that. But like, say, hey, take a look around. Here's the tour. Bye-bye. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah, I think that's exactly how, in his head, I think that's how he thinks it's going to go. Yeah. He's going to be like, come look at my, come look at all of this. Well, look at what I have, and then kick him out. Will was just a trial <laughs> run. Well, actually, that's, a, that's, that's an interesting thing, because let's take this to, the, to, to the, its nth degree, right? Because we look at Will. We look at how desperate he was. And I, I really, really identified with Will throughout the first episode. It's easy, because that is us. Best case scenario. But then... Think about the, our survivors for just a second. What would they do in this scenario? Would they feel as desperate as, as Will did? Because our characters, they're kind of extraordinary in their own way. Would they have the same reaction? Or would they like be defiant in the face of... Well, if they were by themselves for 50 days, I mean, that that's going to take a toll on the, even the strongest character. Fair you enough. Know, I could see anyone in our group getting that desperate after that long. My question... Yes is why isn't anyone on top of strands building wearing masks or hazmat suits they're outside too aren't they (laughs) are they just like high enough up in the air does radiation not travel that high up in the air um 
They are they anti-maskers. They talk- oh, God. Sorry. What? <laughs> so they're anti-maskers they- and anti-maskers. Oh. <laughs> anyway. Howard, Howard, yeah, Howard talked about that in episode one. He said that the it was they were in a pocket that hadn't been affected by the bombs. I forget how he explained it away, but ah, basically okay. the gist was they the were patterns. in a pocket that didn't get affected by the fallout and everything, so everything there was safe. Okay, so they have equipment there to tell them that it's safe at least. They They're probably not just do. That's good. I like that. That okay. makes sense to me. I'm good. I'm good with that. Yeah, yeah. I can also see them having bad days, right? Can, can't you? I mean, they're mm-hmm. obviously cleaning the, the solar panels, obviously because of dust, storms, and whatnot, you know, trying to get the most efficiency out of them too. And look, you can pick a bone with that too, and you should, because... Solar pan <laughs> solar panels as of 2010 or 2008 not nearly as, efi- as efficient as the ones today, but even of the ones of today, based on the surface area that they have on the on the roof currently, I don't think would be enough to power the building. It might just be enough, but just you have one bad day, and then they have to have batteries. Which didn't they have batteries? No, I'm thinking World Beyond <laughs> at the salvage yeah. facility, right? So yeah, yeah, it's not even a bone. It's like okay. Let's just assume they have enough solar panels to power the building and Strand is on cloud nine, not radioactive cloud nine. (laughs) (laughs) Not a mushroom cloud nine. Right, not mushroom cloud nine. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Agent Agent Orange cloud nine. (laughs) Gross. I'm not sure though. Because in the same breath, it's like he wants them to stay away or they'd have to come through these walkers to get here. But if they did, in the back of my mind when he says that, I keep thinking to myself, yeah, but they're pretty proficient they'll get through these walkers yeah you know if they wanted to but then they he'd do the tour thing and be like bye-bye the next song is untie the ribbon by wanda johnson and i think because some of the words didn't seem right is that what you have Mm -hmm. though no i didn't i didn't get into this i didn't have time to get into songs yeah that's why i was like a couple minutes late (laughs) (laughs) couple minutes david I chose to be on time. Yeah. <laughs> I, I honestly was tempted to just not get notes at all because I've been so exhausted lately. But so as I have they th- one sheet, one front of a sheet. That's one shit. So <laughs> as they drive through the night, the next scene. So this is the next scene after they leave the sub when they see the rads go up. I'm in the middle of a bridge that I must burn. This is like about burning bridges, like standing in the glow, the, the glow of a burning bridge that you've burned this side or the other. I don't know which way to turn. There's someone that I'm tied to. There's another I love so. Oh my God, this is so sad. How can I untie the ribbon without tearing up the bow? So she's deciding between two sides of a bridge she's burning right now. It's a lose-lose situation. One, I lose my life and I'm with Athena. I lose people, I lose myself. Mm-hmm. Next song. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is a really sad song. <laughs> All right, so uh, last song I have is uh, It's Time to Quit Crying. So this is at the aftermath while they're leaving B behind b beta huh this you this one we can do really quickly but this is basically saying oh it's time to quit crying it's time to stop sighing it's time to quit crying over you oh it's time to quit worrying it's time to quit hurrying it's time to quit crying over you it's time to quit grieving it's time for leaving and it's time to quit crying over you so it's it's kind of sad grace is kind of choosing to move on this is like right after the in dreams moment that she has with mo let's talk about that for a second though what was your impression of that scene I'm still trying to like connect with that scene. I don't quite have it. And I just wonder like about parents, like stepmothers and stepfathers whom whom have children or who have tried to have children of their own who come into other couples who ha- who already have children. And I wonder how they feel about this moment where they kind of finally, either finally connect with their kids or 
or the the child of another of the of the other significant other or something like that. And I wonder how they feel. And I kind of want to get their take because, well, I mean, you were a child of of. I mean, you have a stepfather, stepfather, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And a stepmom. Yeah. So there must be something to that where you um, find where you finally feel that connection. And, that's my kid. Yeah. Oh. Moment. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. My situation's a little different because I still have both my moms and my stepdad. Unfortunately, my I lost my dad when I was 19. But for the most part, all of my parents were involved, even with each other and my life. With Grace, she doesn't have any other parents to deal with except Morgan. So although Moe's not her biological child, she is caring for her. Even if you don't feel an emotional connection to this child, this is still an innocent life that is depending on you. At, at least step up and be that person like at least take care of this person for the parents that aren't here anymore and then eventually yes you will feel a connection because you've taken care of this living thing it will feel like yours because you've sustained it you've helped it grow now for that scene specifically i thought it was really really beautiful how they drowned out all the sounds of the walkers and everything that was going on and they just focused on this moment between grace and mo and it, it was as a breeder <laughs> i thought it, i thought it was really 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 beautiful this episode definitely got me in in ways that i didn't expect it to and that was definitely one of the moments because i can relate to grace on a lot of fronts and to hold a child that's not yours like that is a huge deal. She's got to be feeling like part of her is betraying Betraying. Athena. That's what I was thinking as well, yeah. Or throughout. Allowing, yeah. Allowing herself to feel a connection to this baby is making Grace feel like Athena never existed. Or, I don't know about in that moment, but it felt like up until until that point. Yeah. I'm saying, I'm saying, I think part of the reason she's so resistant to Mo is because if she allows herself to feel a connection, it's like it's she's as if, erasing a, it's like she's erasing Athena. Right, right. That, and that's hard. That's hard for her to that's, do. That's that's what I was looking for. That's exactly what I was looking for. That's yeah. exactly it. So I wasn't quite sure what it was, and then you you kind of distilled it for me. I'm gonna tell you the stupidest story. So watch out. Good, because uh, I'm trying not to cry right now. So <laughs> you know how I don't really like beginning Anna. goggles. Well, no, no, this is this is better. Dave with a pu- Dave with a puppy. Okay. So, <laughs> you know how I don't really you, like you animals. said aw, and I went. Oh. <laughs> oh. I didn't eat him yet. Okay, no, but good. <laughs> it's not the apocalypse yet. <laughs> no, my sister had a dog. Got him uh, as a pup in 2005, and you know we all kind of took turns taking care of him. I just come back from Chicago and and all that. I don't care for animals. I love. I like dogs. I do. Uh, of all the animals, I do like dogs. But you know, like it's kind of like kids. You know, you give them back. <laughs> just here you go. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> So, I mean, I'll like them while they're here. And, I'll, you know, it's, I have no, I'm not annoyed by it. This dog was kind of annoying. It was like a Maltese Shih Tzu. It was like a little tiny yippy dog. Oh, Shih anyway, Tzu. Yeah, right? Maltese. Ugh. Like little. Mm. I like the Maltese, but Shih Tzu's. Yeah. No, but them together? Ugh, gross. Anyway, so whatever. <laughs> Pops. My dog is called Pops. So, so they went to Israel for like about two weeks. I took care of the dog by myself. And yeah, so there was a moment. Where like I felt like, and this is like I actually verbalized this. I said to my sisters like there was a moment where I felt like you know if something bad happened to him I'd feel like shit. You know like it like that like I would care. And then when I let him go, actually I I I put him in a kennel for a couple days because I had to leave a couple days, and my heart (laughs) felt sad. My heart felt sad. I like I let him. So I let myself. I 
let myself care about this. I sung to Pops. That's what I did. I held him oh, in my hi. arms and I sung to Pops. I, I, I had this bed. So, so I was living with my parents at the time. Uh, I made just, him a dog bed out of my old sweatshirts. No, <laughs> I, I have this like little, I have this little cubby next to the bed where he would sleep. It is like oh, it's a little cutaway. This cute. See, know. animals are the best. You know, listen, this is like the apocalypse rule. Once you start caring about something, that's when your life gets destroyed, right? <laughs> so that's why they got to go. Gotta, Don't care about anything. <laughs> look at what happened with Rufus. Like, just, no allegiance, Rufus. Right? It just Pickle goes with Rufus. This. God damn it. <laughs> Rufus goes where the beans are. <laughs> could, you, could you blame him? Could you blame no. him? He was tired of listening to fucking baby cry, too. <laughs> This baby, I'm out of here. <laughs> like, Listen, as soon as they opened that door, Rufus was like, "Out of there!" Yeah. He was just like, "I'm gonna Get eat me out that of this fucking damn kid if he doesn't shut up." Speaking, speaking of Rufus, she's okay, look, she's looking like a bean. The the first scene where they're zooming in, they're zooming. Yeah, exactly. The first scene where like they're zooming into the the sub and all the rooms, and they finally get to mow, and you see Rufus there, just sitting there, like a lot of good you are, Rufus. You ain't helping at all. <laughs> <laughs> right well, though he can't sing to her oh Ooh. i don't know he can try <laughs> he's too he's too old <laughs> right though it's not like that oh poor Rufus. honestly the only thing worse than listening to a baby cry for hours is listening to a baby cry and a dog howl for hours agreed <laughs> oh, you know what you could even hear a dog howling away in some of our earlier podcasts when he lived in my last apartment you really can <laughs> if you have headphones on you can hear that shit Mm-hmm. Until I figured out how to use a noise gate. <laughs> Just drown that shit out when I wasn't talking. Holy shit, man. Constantly. They, my, my upstairs neighbors would leave constantly. They'd leave for like the weekend. They'd leave for the... Especially when COVID hit, they'd leave the dog behind. And that pissed me off on two levels. Because you look, as much as you don't think I care about things, I care about all living things. I really mm-hmm. do. It's really weird. I don't want them in my house, though. But like, but then you hear this dog howling like day after day, night after night. And it's just like on one level, it's annoying. That's a baby's crying. It's annoying. But on the other level, like, are you okay? Are yeah. You okay? Then you then you think about the reason why they're howling and yeah. why they're crying. And then, and then I get selfish sad. all over again. And then like I say, fuck that. Oh. Then I'll say things like, and he's hitting the ceiling okay. with a broomstick. Shut up. Uh, I'll like, no, no, forget that. I'd be like, I, I nudge, I elbow now, Evelyn. I go, so listen, you and me, let's form a pact. If, if, if this goes on for two more nights. Since you're up. Wait, oh, that's not where this is going at all. Let's, let's sneak some rat poison and cheese, right? Ooh. Yeah. All right. And then like, listen, dead man, tell, tell no tales. Right? So, but that's how annoying this was. That's it's like night the after night after night. The laughing stops right? Poisoning animals. I told you this done. is not You're where done. I was going to go. Oh, Nobody's I quitting tonight. Was... You're getting fired. Although, although <laughs> that, that's, for, that, that's, <laughs> that's foreplay in this house. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Meanwhile, she's like, no. I'll be like, all right. <laughs> I'll check in with you two days later. Psst, psst. Rat, rat poison? Rat, <laughs> yeah? Been a couple days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sexy time ensues. Anyway, so if you like what you heard, right? <laughs> oh, by the way, that last song is uh, It's Time to Quit Crying by Frank Fafara. 
Yeah, just to mention that out loud in the ether. Are they not playing in dreams at the very, very end? Does it not come back on at the very end in dreams? It comes on to well not twice it comes in once when when she's, she's freaking out and then it that's it's not playing again at the end no. when she's sitting in the back seat with okay all right okay then i was just confused i thought i thought it was i thought they were playing in dreams again and i thought that was a ama- i thought i i a big thought moment. it was a big deal because grace was able to listen to it with you know next to mo i think grace establishing that she wants nothing to do with victor and his plans for this perfect quote unquote future that was like this complete reversal. She has something, she's fighting for something, you know, and that really got me. Her insistence, her, like, first of all, you see them position, like when when they see Howard, they see, you see them position themselves in front of the door to Moe's place. It was like, okay, instinctually, that was the first tell. And I was like, oh, she's protecting Moe. I mean, it's not as if she wasn't originally anyway. She was like, okay, yeah, baby welfare, whatever. But now she's like, no, <laughs> no. And then also going, shh, Morgan, shh. Morgan, shut your face. (laughs) We don't need anything from you. Goodbye. And so, and again, three times, it's like, no, 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 don't take my, don't take my kid. Like, practically. It's like, no, no, Morgan, I know it's perfect. Listen, I understand. I understand. This is not the ideal situation, but it's our situation. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. It was kind of cool. Yeah. Another another instance yeah. where like more it's like you and me all of us we don't blame Morgan for wanting the best possible future for that baby. I think all of us would agree. No. Like mm-hmm. we we would want the best chance for that baby to survive. But there's something to be said about like listen, you only get one life and you decide how to spend it. Even if it's not perfect, it's your life. It's your and your kids and your wife's life or whatever however you try to decide to call yourselves even however you want to call yourselves that's your choice that's your life so i like that there's a message there that i won't explicitly say out loud you figure it out for yourselves and if you like what you heard <laughs> head over to rate this podcast.com slash squawking dead five stars and eggplant is all we need to let you love us but exercise that free will and give us one star and five poop emojis or whatever it's your life you live it the way you want it to but you know hey if you like us after every episode, it's a great idea. It really helps. It, and it's also a good communication system. Tell us what we got wrong, you know, for all we care. Or don't say anything. Just boop and then boop and submit. But if you want to follow us along our journey, if you really want to join the Squawking Dead fam in whatever degree that you want, it's your life. You decide how you live it. Head over to <laughs> ko-fi.com squawking dead and just follow us. You can dip your toe in at any point of time and get supported back content for 30 days. Say you want to join in on an interview or get the unedited recording of said interview. Say you want to join in the recording like Mario did today. You could just dip your toe in, get that supported back content for 30 days, do what you need to do, get out. But you can also, for as little as a dollar, join one of our tier memberships. And the party just keeps on going and never has to stop. I've been your host, David Cameo. I was joined by Cosmom09 and Sharon D. A. K. Blazing Gardner with Mario, newly joined Walker in the Mario. Walker tier member of the chat. Woo. Woo. Take care, everybody. We'll see you in the next one. Thank you so much for making it to the end of this episode, the second episode of the seventh season of Fear the Walking Dead, titled Six Hours, uh, which this episode did not take. It was, in fact, about an hour and a half. 
If you like what you heard, obviously you can head to ratethispodcast.com slash squawkingdead and give us five stars in Nightplant or elaborate a little bit. Let us know what we did right or wrong or either way, just tell everybody. Uh, that's the only way people know that we're worth listening to. Uh, this episode has been brought to you by our Survivors tier members, Jasmine, T, Aliza J, and Darren W. Uh, this episode has also been brought to brought to you by our Whispers tier members, uh, Aiden, Aiden Atkin, Judith Morton, uh, Tyler Philip Cox, Fanart Lindy, kaodeshify.com slash Fanart Lindy, uh, and one more person. No, uh, no, I think that's it. <laughs> um, yes. If you want to know what those are, those are those tier members get the perk of having their names announced at the end of every podcast episode because they uh, have joined one of our tier memberships, uh, means of supporting us. And in return, they get some perks like this, but they also have been taking rampant advantage of the 50% off the merch store perk. Uh, both Whispers and Survivors do get that perk. Um, but what is that? Where can you find that? How do you get in on this action? Well, you can always head over to ko-fi.com slash squawkingdead and just follow us. And if you're interested in joining a recording session, a, an, a recording for not only an episode breakdown, but when we interview a guest star or from Fear the Walking Dead or The Walking Dead or uh, any crew or cast members or directors in the future... You can be there in the audience watching the unedited recording happen live. You can get the unedited recordings after we're done recording them. If you can't make the session, you should, though. You should make those recording sessions. They're great. Um, yeah. All you got to do is tip us and get 30 days of supported back content. Or if you're feeling dangerous, and it's really not that dangerous, when the you can join one of our tier memberships for as little as a dollar a month. And the party just keeps on going and your support means the world to us. And I, I have to say this every now and again, but it really, really isn't about the money. It's really kind of like a beacon to let us know that we're worth listening to. We're worth being supported. And even that dollar is more symbolic than anything else because of the micropayment fee. It kind of comes out to like 40 cents. <laughs> so, so it really isn't about the money. It's about you letting us know that we're worth listening to just like the ratings, just like everything else. So please continue to like our content, to share it to your, with your friends. Let them know that there's value in listening to us. And listen, we'll, we'll, you'll hear us in the next one. Thank you for listening. Take care. Mm-hmm.